the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Jesus, quite often during his earthly ministry, would tell stories. As along, along with his teaching ministry, the times he would very clearly teach principles to his disciples, and certainly that apply to us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And of course, the apostles learning those lessons and reminding us of them throughout uh, the various epistles in the New Testament. There were other times that Jesus would just tell a story to illustrate a point. These stories are called parables. And a parable, the word parable in the Greek language is a word that means to lay alongside for the point of illustration. So you want to teach a truth, but you lay a story beside it so it points to that truth. So that's really what a parable is. And so Jesus would often teach in the form of a parable or tell a story that people could relate to. And in this series, we're looking at some of these parables. We obviously cannot look at all of the parables at this season in our church life, moving into the Easter season, but we are looking at four of them, four very special parables that Jesus gave us uh, that help us to learn very vital, important spiritual truths. I want to talk this weekend, as I said, about freedom. How do you and I enter into and experience a level of spiritual freedom? Because every one of us long to be free. Down in the depths of your soul, you do not want to live in bondage. You long for freedom in your life. And various things can bind you up. And there are certain principles in Scripture that will help you to find freedom. We're going to unpack one of those principles this weekend from a parable found in Matthew chapter 18. Let me read you this parable beginning in verse 21. The parable follows on a teaching time that Jesus had with his disciples talking to them about relationships and what do you do when someone sins against you. And so there's this uh, ongoing uh, exposition that he gives and then he comes to a parable based upon a question that he was asked by Peter. Matthew chapter 18 beginning in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. So here he's going to tell a story. This is what God's kingdom is like. I'm laying along a parable, a story beside a principle, so you'll understand it. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. By the way, that 10,000 bags of gold in today's currency would certainly have been millions of dollars of debt that was owed to the king by this servant. Since he was not able to pay, the servant had no ability to pay all this money back to the, to the king. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Would you please say that phrase with me? He canceled the debt and let him go. Once again, if you don't mind, he canceled the debt and let him go. That's key to this story. But when that servant, 
the servant who had just received the cancellation of his debt and had been released, had been let go by his master. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now, by the way, this hundred silver coins would have been the, been the equivalent of somewhere between probably 30 and and $100. So he's just been forgiven millions of dollars, and he goes out and he finds a servant that owed him somewhere between, let's just say, $100. Let's just be, we don't know exactly the amount, but let's just be, if you will, generous and say it was $100 worth of debt. He grabbed him and began to choke him, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master, that's the king that was owed the massive amount by the first servant, Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. That's a very important phrase as well, to be tortured, until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Unless you forgive. Unless you forgive. I believe that the first thing Jesus wanted us to understand in this parable is, is to really understand what forgiveness is all about. That forgiveness in God's kingdom is to be our nature, not a number. See, this all started by Peter asking a question. Do you remember the question that Peter asked? Chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Look at it again. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So it's all, this whole story is prompted by the question related to a number. How many times do I need to forgive somebody? And we all think that way, do we not? Well, this is the third time you hurt me the same way. This is the fifth time you've hurt me. You've done the same thing over and over again. One man said that when he and his wife get in an argument, his wife becomes historical. Not hysterical, but historical. (laughs) And the same can be true of a husband as well. We list all the times that we've been hurt. We keep an account. We count a number. This is the number of times that you've hurt me in this way. And so Peter is saying, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive someone? Would seven be enough? Would seven be adequate? Now, where did he get the number seven? It came from the culture of that day because rabbis taught that the Old Testament law implied that you should forgive someone at least three times. So even in the Old Testament covenant, and the rabbis would teach that even in the realm outside of the gospel that we learned from Jesus, that we should be forgiving people, but three is enough. If someone sins against you the fourth time, you don't have to forgive them. You don't have to be gracious to them. So Peter says, Lord, how about seven? He was feeling real good about himself. (laughs) I've doubled it and added one to it. 
would seven be enough? And Peter, and Jesus says to Peter, no, Peter, you, you don't understand. It's, it's, it's 77. Now, Jesus wasn't saying 77 is in a number. He was implying the idea of an ongoing process. He was teaching Peter what you and I need to learn as well, that forgiveness is never about a number. It's about your nature. Okay. It's not about keeping account or keeping a counting of how many times you've been hurt or how many times someone has, quote, sinned against you or offended you in some way. It's not about keeping account. It's about developing a certain nature in your life. So forgiveness isn't a number. Forgiveness is to be our nature. If you're counting offenses, you're missing the point. If you're counting the number of times your husband or your wife hurt you or someone on the job hurt you or someone says something that hurts your feelings, if you keep an account of these things, you're missing the point of what it means to walk with Jesus. So he's teaching us this value of developing a nature of forgiveness, which as we're going to see is the nature of God. Here's the second lesson that we learned from this story, I believe, that becoming a forgiver starts with being forgiven. He's saying, Peter, I want you to learn from the story about the king and the man who owed him this massive amount of what he did with his fellow servants. I want all of you disciples and all that will follow me in the days to come, I want you to learn that if you're going to become a forgiver, which is what I want you to be, you have to understand, understand something about being a forgiven person. Because only once you've understood forgive, forgiveness in your own life are you really capable of expressing forgiveness to other people. And I believe that the whole story, the whole parable hinges on this one thing about being forgiven, learning the value and the beauty of forgiveness in our lives. Because here's this man that comes to his servant to give an account, get, comes to the king to give an account, and he owes this massive amount of money. He could, have, he could have worked dozens of lifetimes and never been able to repay. And so he begs for mercy. He begs for forgiveness. And the king says, I extend forgiveness to you. And there that day, this man experienced this massive moment where all of his debts were canceled. He was let go, and he went free. And here's the, here's the issue Jesus is teaching us. This is not about a king and a servant. This is about you and me. It's about us. Because in the story, there's some things I want you to see, and they'll be on the screen here, so take a look with me, if you will, at these, these things that I want to emphasize as a part of this point. We are the servant, owing a massive debt to God because of our sins, because of our sinful nature, and because of our sinful choices. He said, I want you to understand, you're that servant. And you owe a debt to God. God is represented by, represented by the king. And all of us today, dear ones, every one of us owe a debt to God. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you offended God? How many times have you gone your way and disregarded what God wanted you to do with your life? How many times have I offended the holiness and the righteousness of God by making choices? First of all, by the fact that we're sinful by nature and we make bad choices along the way. And so we hurt, we owe a debt to God. And this is what the story is teaching us. And second thing, try as we like. We can try as we like. Our debt is too big to be repaid by us. You couldn't pay back God for all the offenses you have committed against him, nor could I, because this debt is so massive. 
Our sin is so great in the eyes of a holy God, it's far too big for us to ever be able to repay in the same way that this servant could never throughout a dozen lifetimes have paid back all that he owed the king. The same is true for us. And that means that mercy, grace, and forgiveness from God is our only hope to avoid the terrible consequences of our debt. What was the only thing that spared that man from being thrown into prison along with his children, his wife and his children, all that he possessed being, being, uh, being uh, confiscated from him and him being thrown into prison? The only thing that kept that from happening was the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of the king. And the same is true for you and me. The only thing that will keep us out of the consequences of our debt that we owe to God is the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of Almighty God. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do for us. Exactly what Jesus came to do for us. And this is the heart, dear ones, of Christianity. This is what you and I need to understand about being a Christian. Being a Christian is not about earning your right to have a relationship with God. It's about receiving a relationship with God because of a gracious loving, merciful, compassionate, and forgiving Father who extends forgiveness to us even though we owe this massive debt. And he extends forgiveness because Jesus paid the debt for us. Okay, And that's what, as we're getting into the Easter season and Good Friday, that you and I need to remember that when Jesus went to that cross, what he was doing was simply this. He was taking on this, the debt of the sin of all the world upon himself that you and I owed to God. And all of that debt was placed upon him. All the consequences and the wrath of God associated with the sinfulness of mankind for every human that has ever lived or ever will live was placed upon Jesus. And in that moment when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was the moment that the judgment of God that we deserved came upon Christ. And then he declared it is finished. When he finished the work, he finished it in full for us so that you and I could be forgiven. He paid the debt for us so that we could go free. Paul talks about this in Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 and 14. Listen clearly because he's articulating the very same thing that Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 18. When you, as you and I, were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, notice this, having canceled the charge of our legal, what's the next word? Indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Would anyone like to join me today and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did? Okay. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that work for me and for you. So on the cross, he He canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us. It was our debt, but he canceled that charge. And in fact, he took away that responsibility from us by receiving the responsibility of paying the price on the cross for you and me. And that's why it says nailing it to the cross. That's where our freedom comes. So becoming a forgiver starts with being forgiven. If you don't understand how great your debt was to God and how much God has forgiven you, you'll never forgive anyone else. Because gratitude produces grace in us, and it produces humility in us, and it produces the ability to choose to forgive the people who hurt us. It starts with understanding how God has treated us. And then that leads to the third thing. Receiving God's forgiveness should change the way we treat others. 
Here's a question for you. What if you went home this afternoon, you had a whole string of emails in your, e- in your inbox, and the emails were from MasterCard and Visa and your home mortgage and your automobile uh, uh, bank that you owe money to, and let's just look your, 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 your education bills that you may still be paying on. And if all those things that you owe money, that every email you open, the, the, the statement inside, we're, we're happy to announce that your debt has been fully paid. Would there be a lot of hallelujahs going on around here? Okay. Yes, Would there? Okay. Think about it. Just think. Just th- just. And you don't owe millions more than likely. Okay. But you owe enough to where it's a burden to you, right? You got to pay your bills. And so these things weigh upon you, okay, at times. And so if you were to go home today and realize, oh, I don't have, I'm completely, I'm, I'm debt free. I'm debt free, okay. I'm debt free, okay. All of my debts have been paid. It would produce a great sense of joy inside of you. You'd be celebrating. That's exactly what happened to this servant except in, in more, of, more of a massive, expanded sense, because it was thousands of dollars. And the terrible and the sad part of the story is that this man, who's now experienced something far beyond even what I just described in, in your own life, he goes out and finds this fellow that owes him this very small amount of money. And can you imagine that he actually does this? He grabs him by the neck and begins to choke him for, for let's say, at the most $100 worth of debt and says, pay me everything you owe me. And the man says, give me some time. And he says, I'm not going to give you any time at all. I'm going to have you thrown into prison until you can pay back everything that you owe me, even though it's this piddly small amount in comparison to what I've been forgiven for. What's the point of the story? The point is about us again. It's about how we treat other people. Having received the mercy and grace and forgiveness of God in Jesus, we still do the same thing to other people. We still go to those that hurt us along the way, and we we demand payment. It's called payback. I'm going to pay him back for what he did to me. It's called revenge. It's called grudges that we hold inside of us. It's called offenses that we we continue to to nurture inside of our soul. This is you and me. This is what we do to other people. After receiving God's amazing grace, we often turn to those who offend us and we justify resentment. We justify retaliation. We justify bitterness. We justify revenge toward others. Well, we have a right to feel this way toward them. And the point of the story Jesus was making is that this is absolutely ridiculous and it's regrettable that we do this to other people. And we don't really understand how much we've been forgiven. We'll, we'll be very unforgiving people and we'll treat people the wrong way instead of the right way. But when we understand how much we've been forgiven, it produces in us a, a, an orientation toward forgiving others. Paul made this very clear in Ephesians 4.32 as he again echoes the principle that Jesus is teaching, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in God, just as in Christ, God did what? Forgave you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So having received the forgiveness of God ourselves, it should change the way we treat other people. Amen? I'm going to ask that again. Having received the forgiveness of God and his great mercy toward us for the debt that we owed God that we could never repay that Jesus paid for us, understanding that forgiveness that God has extended to us, it should 
rightly change the way we treat other people. It should completely transform the way we treat other people. But it doesn't always do that. Sometimes we're just like that servant. And when someone hurts us, even though we've hurt God many times and God's forgiven us, we go and we want to exact revenge upon them or hold grudges or bitterness toward others around us. Here's the fourth lesson that we learn. We're called to forgiveness and forgiving is giving and giving always brings blessing. This is the key turning point because this is what we don't understand. The reason we don't forgive is because we don't understand what comes with forgiving. And what I want to tell you this, this morning is that forgiving is giving. It's giving grace to someone. It's giving mercy to someone. It's giving compassion to someone. Forgiveness is giving, and you can't give without being blessed. Because to give is to be like God. God is a giver, and God is a forgiver. And so when you and I give, we're blessed. When we forgive, we are blessed by God. Why? Because we're behaving as God behaves. We're, we're embracing the nature of God. And so you can't give forgiveness without being blessed by your giving. In Luke 6, 38, it says, give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Give, and it will be given to you. So we practice the principle of reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping, reciprocity. We give forgiveness because we've received it, and we plant it, and out of that comes blessing in our life. If you don't hear anything else I say today, please hear this. Your level of forgiveness, your ability and willingness to forgive other people will determine the level of blessing in your life. This is the principle Jesus is teaching us. Your level of forgiving other people is going. You get to determine the level of blessing in your life by your willingness to forgive. Your level of anointing in your life. If you want an anointing of God upon your life, I've seen people completely lose the anointing of God on their life because they have bitterness and anger inside of them. They get bitter about something. They hold on to that bitterness, that anger, that, 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 that revenge on the inside, the payback on the inside, and they lose that sense of anointing and usefulness to the kingdom of God. So you lose blessing. You lose anointing by, our, by, un, by an unwillingness to forgive. So anytime someone offends you and hurts you, You and I need to view that as an opportunity rather than an obligation to forgive. It's an opportunity to be like God. It's an opportunity to show grace and mercy so that blessing can come our way. Never, never, never miss an opportunity to forgive someone. Because when that opportunity to forgive comes your way, what's happening is it's opening the door of blessing in your life. Never be afraid of being gracious. Be afraid of being judgmental, but never be afraid of being gracious. Never be afraid of forgiving too much. Never be afraid of that. Why? Because this is the nature of God. Forgiving is giving, and giving always brings blessing in your life. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. 
I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.